Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. And good afternoon. Welcome to Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. Our caller text line, 303-831-1340. We're streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen and the free MHS app. Our producers are Danny Bailey and today Nigel King Gethe. And we are set to go. Sean Rotar will join us in a few minutes, I'm Sandy Clough. Adrian Dater will join us, longtime Avalanche reporter who's been uh, leading the way uh, at every step of the uh, Val Nashushkin story to the extent that we uh, know facts. It's thanks to Adrian Dater's reporting uh, over these past several days. Adrian will join us at 2.20 or thereabouts. As uh, we look ahead to tonight's do-or-die game, an elimination game for the Colorado Avalanche, something they never faced, their own elimination in last year's Stanley Cup playoffs. Remember, uh, they swept uh, the opening round series against Nashville, uh, beat St. Louis in six, swept Edmonton, and in the Stanley Cup final decision, the uh, two-time defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning in six games. Not one time. Did the Avalanche even come close to facing a must-win or go-home situation? Now in the first round this year, they do. They have been historically in this spot before. Uh, They have lost series in which they've been ahead three games to two, most memorably the 2002 Western Conference Final against the Detroit Red Wings when the Avalanche were trying to repeat as Stanley Cup champions, much as they're trying to do this year. Uh, Yes, they have lost series in which they have led three games to two. They have won series. In fact, that same 2002 season uh, and uh, in uh, years to follow, uh, they would win uh, series in which they were behind three games to two. So it has worked both ways. Yes, the math says that their defeat is highly probable. Uh, Almost 80% of the teams with 3-2 leads in Stanley Cup playoff history have gone on to win the series and quite often win the series on home ice in Game 6, although that can be tricky sometimes. The aforementioned uh, Avalanche series with Detroit back in 2002 unfolded in a somewhat unusual manner. Uh, The road teams won... In fact, three of the first five games of that particular series. The Avs lost game one in Detroit, but won game two to even the series. They then came back home and lost game three at what was then Pepsi Center. They won game four. They went to Detroit. They won game five in overtime. And they were up three games to two coming back to Pepsi Center for game six. Uh, They proceeded to uh, lose that game. They got shut out and were beaten in game seven back in Detroit. Uh, by the uh, unfortunately appropriate score of seven to nothing. So uh, this is the task that uh, the Avalanche face now in being behind three games to two and going up to Seattle, a second year expansion team in the playoffs for the first time. 
And we spoke yesterday about uh, some similarities that exist between this series and the one the Avalanche played against a similarly inexperienced playoff team, uh, a third-year expansion team at the time, the Minnesota Wild, back in 2003, losing the first game at home, winning the next three, including two in St. Paul at XL Energy Center, but then proceeding to lose the final three games of the series, two of those three games at Pepsi Center. So the uh, 2002 and 2003 Stanley Cup playoffs ended rather ignominiously for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, this would join the list of uh, rather ignominious Avalanche defeats in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Seattle Kraken, who have, uh, as we've uh, indicated over the last several days, fully deserved their position of advantage in this series. And you can talk about a number of factors, but before you uh, take stock of where the Avalanche are, you have to acknowledge that Seattle is a better team than we thought they would be coming into this series, a bigger threat. 100-point uh, team and a team that did not lose a regulation game to the Avalanche in three games during the regular season, but nonetheless uh, appeared to be uh, a rather minor stumbling block along the way to the uh, Avalanche uh, defense of its uh, Stanley Cup title. The real challenges it was thought going into the playoffs would occur uh, perhaps as early as the conference semifinals and each possible opponent that the Avalanche could face, uh, whether it be Vegas or Edmonton in the conference final, would be considered, if not a favorite, then uh, a team that certainly against the Avalanche would have home ice advantage and uh, two places where uh, uh, the Avalanche would be uh, challenged uh, as good a road team as they've been all year to win a road game. Now, uh, the 29 wins on the road during the regular season don't mean anything. The Avalanche have to win. They've already won in Seattle once. They have to win twice to keep the series alive and challenge Seattle to beat them three times in their own building. But uh, tonight is the game immediately facing the Avalanche. This is the challenge. And while we acknowledge that uh, Seattle uh, has been better than expected, and I think the Avalanche also underestimated the Seattle Kraken a bit, uh, especially after they went up in the series two games to one. All you have to do is look at players not named Rantanen, McKinnon, Taves, Rodriguez, uh, McCarr, although McCarr has come in for some justifiable criticism, at least on this program, for his uh, irresponsible uh, behavior on the ice in that fourth game uh, earlier this week up in Seattle uh, when he uh, took uh, a, a shot uh, at uh, Jared McCann, the 40-goal scorer from Seattle, uh, disabling uh, McCann, uh, presumably for uh, the game tonight as well as the game that was played here on Wednesday night. And for that infraction, he was penalized in the end for two minutes Seattle scored on the power play uh, on uh, that particular occasion to take a 2-0 lead at the time. The Avalanche came back to tie 2-2, but eventually lost the game 3-2 in overtime on yet another power play goal with, uh, strangely enough, Kale McCarr on the ice attempting to 
uh, defend against that power play. And uh, the Avalanche on those two power play goals scored by Seattle were beaten 3-2 in overtime. Without McCarr the other night, uh, the Avalanche generated very little offense. Uh, they got an early uh, goal after, again, falling behind. Uh, maybe not all that early. It was well into the second period, but the score was one to nothing. Seattle had scored a second period goal once again for a fifth straight game to take a one nothing lead. And then the Avalanche came back and, and tied the game on a giveaway by Philip Grubauer uh, that led to a McKinnon goal. And after that, uh, the Avalanche did very little until uh, Rodriguez bounced one in off a couple of Kraken players. Uh, with the extra attacker on the ice uh, in the final four minutes of the game to make it 3-2, but the Avalanche never really threatened after that. Uh, You look at those players, and we'll list them now. Nieto, no goals, no assists, no points, and zero in the plus-minus category through the first five games of this series. Uh, J.T. Comfer, who I think has played reasonably well defensively, is still stuck on one goal, one assist, and two points in five games, and he is a minus one for the series. He is one player who definitely needs to assert himself, and there were times the other night in the third period in which Coach Jared Bednar put Confer out there with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ratnan in an attempt to load up, uh, replacing on that first line, Rodriguez and Lekkonen. Uh Ben Myers in this series, one of the bottom six forwards, no goals, no assists, minus one. Dennis Morgan, third line right wing, zero points, minus two. Alex Newhook, fourth line center iceman, one assist, one point. He is a minus two, and he is hardly playing at all in this series at this point. Cogliano has not scored a point in this series, plus minus of zero. Samuel Girard and Bo Byram on defense have combined for five assists, two for Girard, three for Byram. But Girard is minus two, and Byram is zero in this series. Definitely uh, a disappointing series for him. Uh, Josh Manson, who was either benched or injured, maybe a combination of the two during the third period in game five, has no points in this series, and he is a minus three. Uh, Jack Johnson has no points and a zero rating in this series. You get the idea. A lot of passengers for the Colorado Avalanche, whose uh, power play, which scored about 24.5% of the time during the regular season, is one for 12. That's right, one for 12. And you can't blame in this series the power play woes on bottom six forwards. Five on five, bottom six forwards have done next to nothing in this series. Apart from the one assist by Newhook, they have literally done nothing uh, with respect to the 14 goals scored by the Avalanche in this series. Only one of those 14 has come on the power play. Seattle has three power play goals in this series. The Avs have a better power play than Seattle. Seattle's not a particularly good penalty-killing team, and yet the Avalanche strength, if anything, in this series has been their own penalty-killing, although they gave up two critical power play goals in game number four, the game that evened the series. Uh, Many times as we look at the Avs, we see the team wearing uh, 
the other colors playing the 200-foot game. The Avalanche have not. Uh, Seattle in Game 5 had nearly 60% of the expected goal share. That's a ridiculously one-sided number for a team to have during the course of an entire game, particularly one played on uh, the opponent's home ice. Yes, I repeat that figure, 60% of the expected goal share. The Avs have had many situations in which, if you've watched this series, you'll remember one guy working individually, often against multiple defenders from Seattle, while four teammates stand around and watch. Uh, Manson uh, may or may not play tonight. He has not played well when he has played. Uh, again, to give credit where credit is due in this series, Miko Rennan has five goals, two assists, and five games for seven points. He is plus two, and he's averaging more than 20 and a half minutes a game. McKinnon has three goals, three assists for six points. He is plus six. Apart from the temper tantrum he threw the other night after not getting a tripping call that frankly looked to me like a 50-50 call. Uh, Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. You tend to assume a superstar such as McKinnon would get the benefit of the doubt and such a play would be called. The series at that point was tied at two games apiece and the score in the game was one-to-one. So it was a critical mistake that even McKinnon admitted to following the game, reacting in the manner he did. Yes, he had an argument that he got fouled, but the Avalanche at that point in general, and McKinnon in particular, didn't have the luxury of arguing the call as the play uh, moved in the other direction. J.T. Comfer came off the bench to replace McKinnon, but McKinnon was late getting to the bench, which meant Comfer was late getting into the play. It was virtual three-on-two for Seattle, and uh, uh, the youngster Ty Cartier scored the goal on that occasion, so rather than the Avalanche being on the power play or at least being tied while at even strength, they were behind at that point by a score of 2-1. to one. But a great series for McKinnon, who's averaged 23 minutes and 9 seconds of ice time. And uh, Jared Bednar indicated the other day that figure may increase tonight. If he has to play 30 minutes, he will, unless he uh, physically collapses. Uh, Devon Taves, one goal, four assists, five points plus three at 23.40 of playing time. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, a goal, three assists, four points plus four in 18.47. Solid series for him. Uh, McCarr, one goal, two assists, three points in four games, plus three, 25.15 average ice time. He may have to play more than that tonight for the Avalanche. And uh, the missing Val Nashushkin, one goal, one point, minus two, In 19 minutes, 58 seconds of action, but he's missed the last three games for reasons that we will be discussing with Adrian Dater. Coming next, this is Mile High Sports. Sandy Cleft to be joined by Sean Grotar in a matter of moments. Stay with us. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Welcome back on a Friday. I'm Chandro Tar. Sandy Clough, of course, uh, holding it down. What a week, man, Sandy. I'm, I need a weekend. I am, <laughs> I am ready. 
Brady. Uh, we're not even going to get into it because we don't have that much time. And you're not all here for my therapy session. The Broncos session, need a weekend, uh, hopefully a productive one. And the Avalanche, uh, in order to have a weekend, at least a hockey playing weekend, need to win tonight. They do. And to that end, we bring in longtime hockey reporter in these parts, Adrian Dater. Adrian uh, uh, joins us to talk about a story that he was, quite frankly, uh, uh, ahead of in a lot of ways with a lot of people here. That is, It's still starting to come out when you're talking about the, the saga of Valeri Nachushkin, who has essentially become persona non grata with the Colorado Avalanche's uh, organization, seemingly, which indicates that there might be a little more... Uh, fire behind the smoke and so uh, ad thanks for joining us about it you know you, you've done some reporting on this and um the the details of it i understand are, are are sketchy my thought process more is is curious about what the avalanche intend to do whether they make it through this series or not with larry nachushkin well thanks for having me guys first of all um you know that's a tough question um as the avalanche are putting it you know, it's Dow left on his own personal reasons. They say they're in touch with him. Uh, you know, I think outwardly it sounds like, you know, it's up to Val to tell them that he's okay to come back. But there's a lot of unanswered questions in this, obviously. Um, you know, uh, is Val you know, being told not to come back by someone? Is 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 there more to the scene you know, going on behind the scenes than we know? I, uh, you know, there's, we could speculate all we want. I think all we, you know, we should go by it right now. Um, a lot of, a lot of good solid reporters are doing this. Um, just go by with the facts. So we know right. uh, he left, he was taken away from the team hotel on Saturday. Uh, there was a public report in Seattle from the police that, uh, there was a woman found in his room. Uh, who was intoxicated? She needed treatment. She was taken away. Dow left the scene not long after, and I, ever since then, we we simply don't you know don't know what actually happened. A and B, what will happen moving forward? But it's obviously not a good situation for anyone involved. And um, yeah, there's there's just uh, you know this this story. Uh, is unfortunate, but you know it's it's reality. And I think as reporters, we just we need to you know ask what 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 was going on without being invasive or trying to invade Val's <clears throat> quote unquote privacy. Um, but uh, you know we have facts on the ground. We have a top Avalanche player is not not with the team uh, over mysterious circumstances, and uh, you know it, it affects the team and fans who pay the money to, to go to games and uh, media's job to ask about it. Jared Bednar said uh, a couple of days ago when asked by reporters that the absence had not anything to do with legal issues. In, in the Denver Post today, the Seattle Police Department spokesperson said there would be no criminal investigation stemming from the incident. So uh, if that's the case, if it doesn't rise to any sort of legal uh, issue for the abs, when we've seen these sort of things happen before in sports, uh, obviously this is a challenging spot. But when it is not a legal issue, does that, that obviously makes it easier for things to get sorted out, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, a very big thing in Val's favor here is, uh, you know, as of yet, there's been no criminal um, charges or anything. Um, that doesn't mean there couldn't be in the future. You know, that plenty of things come out later that sometimes, you know, uh, make it so. But uh, as of now, we uh, there, there are none, and... Uh, uh, let's hope for Val's 
Nichushkin's sake, that that continues. So, uh, that's that's one of the obvious, you know, mysteries of this whole thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I believe, I always believe what Jared Bednar tells the media. Like, he, he unfortunately has been made to be the spokesman for the team right, right. now. And, and he's had to shade the truth, certainly on Saturday, when he said after the pregame skate that Nishushkin was missing only for maintenance reasons, uh, that was clearly not the truth. Well, as far as the whole truth goes, we don't know. But, yeah, uh, he wasn't. You know, but we know he wasn't gone for maintenance reasons. Well, yeah, I mean, that's fair to speculate. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, until we hear from Val and his representatives or the team itself about what is really going on with him, then, uh, yeah, the, you know, the problem with this whole thing is when, when, when you don't come out right away with things, um, media, fans, yes. everybody else, well, fill the vacuum with speculation. Media. Yeah, uh, some media do, and uh, you have been adhering to the facts. I wanted to give you a chance. We, we spoke at some length. Uh, this morning, and and you wanted to do this. Uh, along the way, uh, there was uh, a mistake made in your uh, reporting, just one, and I wanted to give you a chance to clarify that uh, for those who aren't completely up to date. Yeah, no, I when I got the report, just like everybody else did yesterday, or at least a few people did, uh, I thought it was a fire department report, right. it was a police department report, and and as I'm known to do sometimes, I uh, made a, a comment on Twitter saying chastising other people who maybe got that wrong. When in fact I got it wrong yeah. about a police department. So I apologize for that. I apologize to any media people that I unfairly besmirched. I never mentioned anybody by name, but I was generalizing a little bit and uh, um, mistake on my part. Apologies. Um, regardless of who sent the report, I thought it said fire department on the release. That's when I originally got a few days ago it came from the fire department and a spokesman for the fire department and it was about a woman who got taken away from the avalanche team hotel uh no names mentioned the chuskin's name was not mentioned and i did not write that there was a connection between the woman and the chuskin right i did not say that never but uh a couple days later it, there apparently is a connection um from the police department report not the fire department report so anyway that's that's what I did, and uh, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes at times, me included, and uh, uh, hopefully you own up to them. But, uh, you know, I stand by all the other reporting stuff, which was, you know, um, something happened in that hotel. One was taken away, um, and uh, there was a 911 call placed from yes. the hotel, Yes. you know, to, to authorities. Now, this is the Four Seasons Hotel in Seattle. Uh, this yep. was Saturday afternoon, 3.20 p.m., Nine one one call made from the Four Seasons Hotel in Seattle to request medical aid to a twenty eight year old woman. And as you reported, and I want to emphasize that you were the first to actually try to report and abandon uh, the nonsense that he was simply absent due to personal reasons. That uh, and and you in fact pointed out the other day that. Anybody in that situation could say, hey, this is personal and never have to account to the public for anything they do. But I want to be sure on the facts here. Uh, you reported that Seattle Fire Department public affairs officer, uh, uh, 
who has been quoted in other stories, said the woman was treated at the scene and taken by American Medical Response, an ambulance EMT service, to Virginia Mason Medical Center. The original report said she was taken to uh, Harborview Medical Center. Uh, in the report made public, uh, which was also, in fairness, disclosed by the Denver Post, Avalanche medical personnel, along with hotel security, entered the room of Nishushkin to check on him and found the woman who was reportedly heavily intoxicated, not known if the woman had any previous relationship with Nishushkin, but the report states she was in his room on Saturday. Avs medical personnel and hotel security alerted the hotel staff management and requested medical intervention. The 911 call was placed at 320 in a fire department truck. Then an AMR ambulance arrived shortly thereafter. Uh, the woman said she's from Russia, born in Ukraine. Uh, woman walked without aid in the hotel lobby, but apparently uh, became belligerent with uh, some ABS medical personnel and hotel security. And uh, the Seattle uh, FD report states that the woman hit a member of uh, the Avalanche Party, uh, presumably a medical person, uh, during that time. So that those are the facts as we know them, right? Yes. Uh, yes, she allegedly hit a uh, the Avs team doctor, uh, whose name is mentioned in that report. Uh, you know, doesn't matter. But, uh, yep, uh, those are the facts as we know them, as reported by Seattle Police and Fire Department. That's That's basically all we know. Ad, obviously, you know you've you've been around this hockey team for a very long time. You've been around hockey for a long time. These kind of situations, as we go into the Abs needing a win tonight, you talk about Kale McCarr's suspension, uh, an uncharacteristic outburst from McCarr led to that. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was frustrated about a non-call; it directly led to a goal. Uh, we know that Landeskog is out. We know that this Nachushkin situation now obviously causes uh, challenges when you're talking about the locker room. Given the fact that this team is already trying to defend Stanley Cup, does it feel like maybe that's just the last straw? Or I don't know which is the last straw, depending <laughs> on when you want to pile them on. But it kind of feels like maybe that, that there's too much weight being placed on the Avalanche's back to be able to sustain anymore. I mean, that's that's the latest you know feeling and narrative. But, I, I you know, guys, I'm still, I'm still an optimist. I know you guys are going to both laugh at this. I'm actually. Oh, I don't, I, I, I'm picking. <laughs> I, I only want to be wrong once. So uh, since uh, I picked him to win the series, I'm staying with it. I just. I don't know. I feel a weird feeling they're going to win tonight. Um, you know, I. I think this team has had adversity all year long. Every time we count them out, something they they rise above it. I mean, you know, uh, as long as Nathan McKinnon, Makar back, as long as those two guys are out there skating 25, 30 minutes. I'm still going to feel pretty good about this hockey team winning a game. Uh, I think they're going to be desperate. Yes. Yes, I do think they are probably a little bit mentally burdened right now. Not just with the nuke stuff, but, you know, long season. It's tough. They've been through a lot. They grinded through their way the last two months. They win the division title last game of the year. But then, you know, here come the injuries again. Josh Manson will not play tonight. I think that's a loss for yep. the Avs for sure. Yep. Um you know, uh, uh, there's other guys playing hurt. I think, uh, you know, I think Makar is still playing hurt. He's yeah, except for one game, he hasn't looked like himself. Except no, for the one game. Same, doesn't seem to have the same explosive no. for stuff that I've noticed. Um, but, uh, you know, they've still got R- Rantanen, McKinnon, Makar, you know, Devontae, 
a good goalie, a good rest of the D. Um, no reason why they can't just go in there and win a game. They won. They won game three. They let game four go, and I thought that was the killer of the series so far. Is they let that game slip in game four. I thought they had Seattle done basically, and then they let it slip. They've lost a lot of game fives in their home history in the playoffs. You look it up. The Avs have lost a lot of game fives at home, but they've often come back. One game six, and and you always want a game seven at home. So. I'm going to stick with the Avs tonight. Uh, I think they're going to win, eke it out, and we'll come back Sunday, and we'll uh, we'll all talk about what heroes they are if they win this and what you know. We had them all along, and they, this team overcomes adversity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be this is a championship team. Don't forget, they got a lot of heart in that locker room. Championship teams always go down with a hard fight, and if they're going to be beat tonight, I think it's going to be a really, really tough job for the Kraken to knock them out. And uh, that's why I think it's going to be a great game. I, I predict the odds win. He is uh, Adrian Dater, of course, a long-time reporter. Of course, we've worked at the uh, privilege to be able to work with AD an awful long time uh, in this business. So make sure you give him a follow at A, a Dater, and stay with uh, everything he's been doing to cover the, the the team in all sorts of different capacities. So it's uh, great, great work th- th- this week. You know, it's, it, when you're doing breaking news and there are people that are sort of uh, – going out of the way to obscure things it can make things difficult but yeah we really appreciated the time and, and the effort and as things uh, continue to uh, sort of evolve in this situation uh, appreciate you being right on top of it yeah thanks guys and i'm uh, really glad to hear you both back on the air again and uh and go go mile high sports for for bringing you back thanks adrian <laughs> thanks adrian appreciate it it is um it's a tricky situation and and both of you are right look this is an Avalanche team that is still in immensely talented. I mean, let's not just ignore the fact there's still a lot of talent. Okay, Josh Manson isn't playing. I'd add that to the list. But the, he rolled off the names of the guys that are. And there's a tremendous amount of talent still on this team. I do think there is something to the the heart. It sounds so cliche, but the heart of a champion, a, a team that knows they still hold the belt, they're not going to want to give it up very easily, even if they maybe know in their hearts of hearts they're probably not going to be able to win it again. But it doesn't mean you want to get bounced. It doesn't mean you want to get bounced in the first round. It doesn't mean you want to get bounced by the seventh seed and a team with its first ever playoff series win. I do expect the Avs to come really hard into this series tonight. The options are limited. Uh, you win and you get another chance and you force and you them here. to beat you three times in your own building. You lose the season's over. They, they, there aren't any kind of qualifiers or, uh, yeah, we we can uh, sort of um, uh, bounce back or reorder our game. And, that, I mean, it, it, there, there was a line in Mark Kisler's column today uh, talking about how uh, Bednar was desperate when he said McKinnon might have to play 30 minutes tonight. Uh, well, I, I wish the Avalanche were playing with the same desperation that uh, Bednar seems to be coaching. And Bednar's it. not wrong. There's no He's tomorrow. He's not wrong. Got- uh, I mean, I hate the no tomorrow cliche uh, because the sun will come up in the morning. <laughs> no tomorrow think, for your season I if think, you don't win. But yes, I, I, beyond the, the cliche, uh, it it's psychologically at times beneficial. And I made the point uh, during the first segment, the Avalanche have lost series when they've been up 3-2 and they've won series when they've been down 3-2. It would not be a shock if they came back and won this series. Psychologically, there's some comfort, I suspect, in knowing that you either find 
at worst your B game, and hopefully for the first time in this series, your A game, or you go home. And I I think you can you can play all kinds of psychological tricks on yourself, but this is pretty basic. <laughs> this is pretty elemental. It is. And the guys that aren't there aren't there. The, the guys that are ready think, to play tonight, that's that's what you're going with. You'd think the one guy who isn't hurt, who missed the last game, who's rested and is a key player, is not only rested, but I would hope loaded for bear tonight from an emotional point of view in a way that perhaps he has not been ever during his career. I say he's never been in a situation where he's one of the culprits here. He's one of the reasons they're down three games to two. Yeah. If for no other reason than he missed game five. And guess what? He's going to get series. booed. That's okay. That That's additional oh, yeah. fuel oh, I think, I think that's to good. me for somebody who I think, I think knows how to channel his emotions and, again, should be ready to play with his hair on fire tonight. And go 30 minutes. Speaking of 30 minutes, he's the guy who might go 31 or 32 if necessary. Led the league already in, in minutes per game. We will see. You know, the Avalanche do need a win. If you are injured, you need a win as well. Call our friends at BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. Hire the winner. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients, and when you're injured, they'll get you your maximum recovery, whether it's by settlement or by trial. Whatever is the best way to get you right, that's what they do. Locations all over the front range for Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, DTC, Colorado Springs, and even up in Cheyenne. So when you are hurt, don't mess around with this stuff. Don't hire someone you see on a billboard. Go ahead and hire the people that you know will fight for you. That's our friends at Burnham Law, 720 845 Seven zero zero one. Check them out, BurnhamLaw.com. When we come back, it's very simple. There's one thing the Colorado Avalanche have to do in order to win this game. And if they don't, it could be for a long night. I'll tell you what it is next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy, I'm going to make this as straightforward as possible. I think the Avalanche are teetering on the edge. I think they have their heels on the edge of the cliff. I think they understand. And you, you put it this way yesterday. I think you're right. I think they understand deep down they're not going to defend the Stanley Cup. They're not going to win it. That's the, the reality given their injury situation. But... To me, it's very simple. If the Avalanche score first in this game, I think that gives them enough energy and I, to, to consider, okay, we're going to go ahead and, and take this one, play for pride, take it back to Denver, take your chances. If, as in what has happened in all five other games of this series and the Kraken score first, I think that the Avalanche are going to have a very hard time not having a collective here-we-go-again mentality, and that game could be over quickly. To my mind, the first game, the first goal of this game makes it very simple. If the Kraken get it, I think their odds of winning the game jump to about 90%. If the Avalanche get it, 
I think it's 50-50. But I just, I can't envision a situation. The Avs have to all but, you have to be careful. You can't overcommit and cough something up on the other side, especially with the good crack and forecheck. The Avs have to get the first goal in tonight's game. Period. Would be nice. Uh, it would be nice if they I think did. It's critical. Um, I don't think they can win with that. I, I, I don't think you can keep getting behind and expect to win a majority of the games. Now they have been behind in every game, uh, at least one to nothing, and they have come back to win two of the five. And as we discussed yesterday, I think they are fortunate to be playing tonight. In many ways, they could have lost this series easily, four games to one. Easily mm-hmm. lost it four games to one. And I, I, I would quibble with Adrian to the extent that I, I I don't know that they really had Seattle down in game four. Seattle didn't act as if uh, it was down. It still scored the first goal. Yes, the Avalanche scored the next three. Uh, not, but that I'm sorry, that was game three. I'm talking about Monday when it was two to nothing. I, I, I don't know that there was any point in that game where Seattle looked terribly uncomfortable. Renton's heroics got them back even at 2-2 at the end of two, but I kind of thought they needed to maybe get ahead 3-2. That did not happen. They opened the second period on the power play. They opened the third period on the power play. They did nothing either time, and if there is such a thing as uh, momentum, and and I think psychologically maybe there is, I think it was a killer. Uh, to their momentum when they're on the power play at the start of the second and the start of the third, and they basically apply no pressure at all, and right after the third period power play concludes, seconds later, right afterwards, they give up the goal that makes it 3-2. to two. And you know, I, 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 I just think... Uh, you know that 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 makes things that that and and I'm getting confused because I'm talking about the game the other night. Right. They, they were, was I get second, it. third period power play. Your point is this but, team but, has not played very well in this they, series. They haven't End played of story. very well in this series. Been and, and, and chunks the, at a time. Game four, just to be clear, just little game chunks at a time. Game four, two two after two, no goals in the third period. Uh, both teams had chances to uh, to go ahead and maybe win the game in regulation, but. I thought the right team won in overtime. The Avs took a penalty, the aforementioned Josh Manson. And so we are where we are. And if uh, the Avalanche are as confused as I am, they're in big trouble too. One, your opinion on it, the call and text line is 303-831-1340. Am I being too negative? Do you think the Avs still have a chance? I mean, I, I can rationalize it. I really can. I just can't. I can't feel it. This team just there's so oh, I, I think much you're in the majority. going on at I once. I think you're in the majority. It's tough, that. and and it's a lousy way for all this to end with the injuries and, and you know a, a suspension and then a frustration that leads to a goal. The latter two by, I, I wouldn't even say arguably, two best players on the team in McCarr and McKinnon, two significant mistakes on their part. And well, I, you, yes, you just but, don't but, normally but, but, see this it, team rattled, it, and they appear rattled. Yes. The, the overall issue is that they're getting nothing from defensemen, at least in an offensive sense. They're getting nothing from defensemen beyond McCarr and Taves. The Kraken's depth is they, far better than the Avalanche's right now. Uh, but not defensively, it's not. And in fact, their best defenseman, Dunn, has been their weakest player in this series, in my view. He's minus four. McKinnon's killing him. I mean, embarrassingly. And 
he's been a total dud in this series, and Seattle's still leading the series because their bottom six forwards are badly outplaying their counterparts from the Avalanche yeah. overall. Now, yes. I know the Avalanche have more goals at even strength than the Kraken do in this series. The Kraken have scored 15 goals, three on the power play. The Avalanche, 14, one on the power play. However, overall, Seattle has been relentless, and the Avalanche have been only good when the McKinnon line is out there. And the other night, that was it, especially when McKinnon was paired with Rantman and Comfer in the third period. They didn't have even a second line that was worth spit worth a bucket of spit and and it, certainly between the second third and fourth lines the other night they, they were getting absolutely nothing and that i think has to change you need to have somebody make some kind of contribution now i look at lekkanen uh four points in five games plus one okay but he had a two-on-one opportunity fed beautifully by McKinnon at the end of the second period the other night, and I'm not confused about this. I remember it clearly. <laughs> I looked Friday at it several relax. times. It's late in the second period, and, uh, you know, the, the game's on the line, and he fails to score. They're behind 2-1. to one. If he scores there, and all he has to do is lift the puck, he's well defended from behind, but it makes me think, that maybe the hands aren't as strong, maybe the broken finger is still having a bit of an effect, but to see him check from behind in a manner that caused him to miss the net entirely, when all he had to do was lift the puck, he had the whole side of the net open above the leg pad of Grubauer, and he couldn't lift lift the puck. I've seen Lekkonen in an avalanche uniform score at least half a dozen goals on plays just like that where he is stronger on the puck. That's another problem is some of the guys that are on the ice are clearly not healthy, and that's the reality of it, too. But the, the truth is, look, the, the road team is 6-2 and two in the last eight meetings between these teams, regular season and playoffs. I, the, the road team's played great. And uh, the Avalanche, of course, in that case, we know that they're going to they're gonna kind of be booed. is going to be the villain. Maybe that's good. Maybe that gets the juices going. The other thing that I have to think, Normally, we say regression to the mean, right? When we're talking about things like that, I would say we're talking about a elevation to the mean when you're talking about the Avs power play, which right now is running at an 8.3% clip, one for 12. It's one for 12. I mean, and that's all you need to know. That, it's a that's disaster. That's a ridiculous number. Keep this in mind. I mean, McKinnon had 34 power play points in the regular season. Rantanen had 37 power play points in the regular season. Uh, McCarr had 30 in the regular season. He played 60 games. McCarr averaged half a power play point per game this season. So, I mean, you're talking about a, a power play that it's almost impossible. Especially late in the season. For it to get With worse. With all the injuries. I mean, it just feels like something has to be able to break and, their and way I, a little I, bit. I understand they weren't going to, in the playoffs, score one time out of every four on the power play. But yeah, only Edmonton does that. Is two out of 12, one out, out of six, four. one out of six too much to ask? One out of five? That's still, wait, 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 nothing is that's too much terrible. to ask? That's the problem. It's It's been a disaster of a power play. And and some of it's been the discombobulation there. McCarr is not entirely sharp. And, of course, then he wasn't there. Uh, you're talking about uh, really only that one top power play line being terribly effective, obviously, as, as it goes for the Avs in the hole. Really just one line being consistently effective. 
But it, it even feels like that one line on the power play has to eventually break through. And, and I'll give you another reason to be. Oh, it'd be nice to get more, of the, uh, maybe get 30 shots on goal. Yes. Try try that one out. You know what's frustrating? And start shooting the puck and stop fiddling around. Yep. Good, for you. To make Good for you catching yourself. Perfect play. Fiddling. That's Yeah, that's what I was. Fiddling and diddling. Johnny Most, the longtime voice of the Celtics, used to talk about opponents when they were dribbling the ball around, fiddling and diddling. They're fiddling and diddling. Celtics are never fiddling and diddling, but the Avalanche in this series have been doing a lot of fiddling and diddling. Good for you. That wasn't the word I was thinking about when you were saying it. But the Avalanche have to find a way to get better. The Denver Broncos have to find a way to get better, too, and they're going to try to do it in the draft with only five selections, two expected to happen tonight. We'll take a look at the Broncos' strategy with the Denver Gazette's Chris Thomason. He'll join us next on Mile High Sports. Oh! 